What were you doing in the early 2000s? A time when Britney, Blockbuster, Napster, and Nokia ruled the world. Joe and Mel present the week that was 20 years ago. T-20, a podcast about not-so-ancient history. Week of 10 November 2002. T-20. The rest is history. Welcome aboard the good ship T-20, the podcast about not-so-ancient history where we talk all things popular culture and anything that was happening in the news this time 20 years ago. We're all over it. My name's Joe. I'm one half the host. Mel's over there. Hello, Mel. Hi. I thought you were going to say the good ship lollipop, and it took me back to a year two recital. Oh, dear. Where I had to be Shirley Temple, and my mum curled my hair. Oh, was she a dance mum? No, That's not good. really. No. no, but she's very good at the curls. That's where it started and finished. You were just neglected <laughs> and then left to do your thing after With that. With amazing curls. That's all you need. That's all you need. Good curls. Curls get the girls. <laughs> Uh, Hello, everyone. Yes. 20 years ago was the 10th to the 16th of November 2002, so that's what we're looking at in this week's show. Uh-huh. SARS. Remember that? I remember SARS. Remember SARS. Yeah. That just feels like a lifetime ago. It's but not that, a misheard um, lyric. It's not that Moby song, We Are All Made of SARS. No. Although, or maybe there's a conspiracy theory that you could concoct. Moby, Moby triggered it. Yeah, completely unfounded. <laughs> Don't come after us, Moby. Allegedly. Yeah. 20 years ago is when the first case was found. And it's a really interesting one to revisit post-COVID, I think. And look, I'm sure at the start of COVID there were probably a lot of comparisons drawn, but I was knee-deep in Tiger King at that point. I was more worried about Carol Baskin (laughs) and uh, time-lapse yoga and baking bread, so I wasn't really paying attention. But reading through it... Time-lapse yoga. That was a big thing at the start <laughs> of the pandemic. Really? Yeah, okay, yeah, people yeah. filming themselves doing time-lapse yoga. It's just ridiculous. Anyway, that's that's more infectious than SARS. <laughs> we will be talking about it. But, it, yeah, it is very interesting to revisit at this point in time. We also had one of the biggest ecological disasters at the time. Mm. Online gaming becomes a legit thing. Yeah, this was the beginning of the end. <laughs> Really? <laughs> We're also talking LL Cool J, Opeth, Eminem, Westlife and Mick Jagger. And I have solved one of life's greatest mysteries. Oh, do tell. I found out who are Geordie and Rebecca. Oh, from the Sean Paul Geordie and Rebecca. Um, get busy, yes. Cool. I have facts. So we're going to solve that mystery for you as well. That mystery. Wow, tackling. We got SARS, and then we're finding out who Geordie and Rebecca are. Tackling the big issues. You know, another um, mystery that will be solved for some of our listeners this week is what happened to personal development with 50 Cent. You had a special request for it to come back, didn't you? Look, People are missing like, it. They're like, why did you get rid of it? I'm, I'm so like, lost in my life. I need some direction. I'm I don't like, know what to do. Bring back Fiddy. I'm like, we didn't. So he'll pop his head up. But he's we're in competition with Fiddy now. Isn't he? He's, yes. doing, he's podcasting. This is why he hasn't been life coaching, because he has been <laughs> super busy in the last couple of yeah, weeks. Because he, he records that segment especially for us. He does, yeah, yes. We course. get him on the line yeah, and yeah. he just records it for us. It's yeah. excellent. Yeah. 
He has just released a podcast called uh, Surviving El Chapo, The Twins Who Brought Down a Drug Lord. He executive produced, but he's also hosting it and interviewing these these twins. I think they're up to about three or four episodes at, at time of recording. It seems absolutely fascinating. I'm mm. very keen mm. to give it a listen. The law is not there to protect criminals. It's there to protect the innocent. I was a criminal, so the law wasn't there to benefit me. I'm Curtis Fitzsimmons Jackson. And I'm Charlie Webster. Let me tell you a story about two brothers. If you think this is just another narco story, you're wrong. My brother and I, we probably easily pushed over 130, 140 tons since 1998. We were distributing in Chicago, Illinois, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Detroit, Michigan, Cincinnati, Ohio, Columbus, Ohio, Louisville, Kentucky, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, New York City, Washington, DC, Atlanta, Georgia, Los Angeles, California, and Vancouver, British Columbia. In the pantheon of drug prosecutions in the history of the Northern District of Illinois, this case stands at the highest level. Yeah, so pretty exciting stuff. From Fiddy, podcaster now. He's a life coach, rapper, billionaire. Producer. Is he a, I don't know if he's a billionaire. That's probably a bit too much. I think he's got a few Entrep- productions. We'll just say entrepreneur. Yes. Oh, well, he's got the wine and he's got the uh, the boxer shorts that don't impact your plums. Oh, that's important. Yes. I'm a, when you're approaching your late 40s, shorts that don't impact you. He talks a lot about his plums, actually. I was going to say, I think mm. his uh, life coaching this week may also involve some plumage. Really? Some plumage? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to plumage. Yeah. Sure. Sure. That all goes a bit grey around that time as well. Um yeah, he you know the entrepreneur thing interests me because he does have so many irons in so many different fires and now yeah. he's adding podcaster to it. Yeah. And I feel like for a lot of people the term entrepreneur is thrown around quite a bit mm. and it's for I think it's a term that is used for people that maybe have a couple of blogs and they're not really sure. If you're making a green smoothie and telling everyone about it, you're not an entrepreneur. And they're not really sure. They might have a blog about that and they might have a blog about something else and basically they don't have any money. An entrepreneur, they're, they're, they're hoping to get some money from one of these many pursuits that they have but right now... There's not. They're not very liquid. They There's need not a lot some life on. coaching. For 50, I don't think Fifty Cent has that problem. No, no, no. He's got no. so much going on, and he's been in a lot of movies over the years himself, hasn't he's he? He's been in movies, mm. TV shows, and of course that brings us to the movie Clue. Great segue, mm. Mel. You I like, like that? you're on the ball. I, I feel like you're giving me a subtle hint to move on, and I've now broken the fourth wall, and now everyone's getting a little bit of a piece of what happens behind the scenes. So headphones off for me. You are moving I on. Will Fantastic. Come back, guess the movie Clue. We got there eventually. <laughs> we did. I'll come back in. Uh, guess the movie clue at the end of the show. Are you ready for me to fire it off? I am. Okay, three, two, one. Mr. McCaleb, I was sure you were to retire by now. Looks like your code killer's back. You and me, we're like Cain and Abel, Kennedy and Oswald. I'm on this case. I'm in this thing for the full ride. Is that it? That's it. That's That was a long movie clue. I've done a bit of a montage for this yeah. week. Really? So a montage? I've put, it, I've put three little bits back to back because I've like it needs a little bit more context. production value. Should yeah. we, will we, will a lot of effort. That, went into if that. you put that much effort into it, we'll definitely play it again before I put my headphones back on. Mr. McCaleb, I was sure you were to retire by now. Looks like your code killer's back. You and me were like Keen and Abel, Kennedy and Oswald. I'm on this case. Yeah. I'm in this thing for the full ride. My, my transitions weren't so great. The, the first one had a little bit of a gap. Should okay. have shortened that. It's all right. It's all right. We can live get with that. With practice. I'll get it in post. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. <laughs> Let's do the news. The news for the week of the 10th to the 16th of November. A couple of big stories. First one starting on the 13th of November, which is the 
Prestige Oil Spill. Now, it's not a prestigious oil spill. The Prestige is an actual oil tanker. During a storm, this oil tanker, the MV Prestige, this is a 26-year-old vessel, mm. burst a tank on the 13th of November off the coast of Galicia in Spain and the captain, Apostolos Manguras, reported a loud bang from the starboard side <laughs> and the ship began to take on he water. He jumped on the community notice yes. board to find out what well, was going on. Well, I don't think on. community <laughs> notice boards are a thing back then, but I could imagine that... Does anyone know, know what that loud bang is off the coast of Spain? Perhaps the Galicia Spain community <laughs> notice board was like, did anyone hear a loud bang just then? Uh, and uh, well, I mean, this is unfortunate. This is yeah, a we terrible laugh. ecological this is disaster. Very, very bad. So the ship t- starts taking on water as it does after mm. a loud bang, and it was carrying seventy-seven thousand metric tons of heavy fuel oil. And so they requested to bring the ship into port because they're like, "We're leaking. Mm. We need to confine this leaking oil mm. and try and prevent." further damage to the environment and the Spanish government were like, there's no way, Jose, <laughs> that you're <laughs> that you're coming in here. And then the French government also refused entry and that forced them to change course and head into Portuguese waters. So what they're doing is they're just dragging their dirty like, butt. Can we come all in? The way no. through the water. Can we come in? Yeah. No. Yeah. And so, so the Portuguese authorities get their navy out there, they intercept the vessel, and they stop it from coming in as well. On the 19th of November at 8 in the morning, carrying a 77,000 metric tonne cargo, the Prestige broke up and sank to a depth of 4,000 metres. Around 50,000 tonnes of oil escaped, polluting the Spanish, Portuguese and French coasts for thousands of kilometres. Galicia got it the worst a historical environmental disaster. Fishing and farming were terribly affected. Dozens of supposedly protected nature areas were struck and sea and bird life was extinguished. Sea and bird life was extinguished. That's a terrible Mm. turn of phrase, but that's Mm. what happened. It killed heaps of animals. And I also got my pronunciation wrong. I said Galicia. It's Galicia. Galicia. Galicia in Spain. Um, So... As a consequence, because nobody took the vessel on, mm. they all got a bit of it. They yeah. all got a bit because so it thing, split in half. Yeah, and sunk. Yeah, Gosh. it's like the Titanic. That split in half as well. So you know they've 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 been going around all mm. these coastlines. It splits in half. Two hundred and fifty k's, like they said, off the Spanish coast, and I think they said something around fifty thousand tons. It was carrying seventy seven metric tons. So I imagine some of it was still contained, maybe in one of the tanks. And that releases over 64,000 cubic metres or 17 million US gallons of oil into the sea. So the decision to tow this damaged tanker offshore rather than take it into a sheltered anchorage or a port or somewhere that they contain it it was described as being a completely criminal act Mm. and that is the sole reason why there was such a large area polluted. It was the worst ecological disaster in Spain at the time. It destroyed the seabed, like they said, killed heaps of animals, Mm. contaminated all the coastlines. They had to suspend offshore fishing for six months, so it completely Mm. crippled that industry. And they're saying that it was probably worse than the the very famous Exxon Mm. Valdez disaster in 1989. It cost them 
2.5 billion euros to clean up the Galicia coast. And I saw some of the footage as well of the Clean Up Act and all of these people just mobilised and volunteered. There was hundreds of thousands of people that volunteered to help clean it up, which mm-hmm. was amazing. It was an amazing effort. Yeah. But I just saw the footage and it was so – there was so much oil and it was so just ingrained in the they, – they were picking it out of the sand. They were trying to scoop it out of the water. Yeah. And it was just like this disgusting sludge that had just gotten into Everything. It was Yeah, it's it's always devastating to yeah. see the footage. I think the thing with the the birds is what gets me because oh. they show the birds like the bird as soon as the birds hit the water, yeah. like the marine birds hit the water, they they lose the ability to fly and they just become completely stranded. It's like quicksand. It's yeah, just it's horrible. It's horrible. You you take heart from the display of humanity after these events mm. where people go in and they volunteer and they dedicate so much time to mm. assist with the cleanup efforts. But I don't see a lot of positive in that. And the devastation with something that could have potentially been, well, not necessarily avoided, but it could have been minimised in a way if they'd just let them into port and yeah. done some repairs. They could have avoided a lot of this devastation. Yeah, they said it was a criminal act. Thing. Like yeah, heads have got yeah, to roll for yeah. something like that. Anyway, it doesn't get much better on the 16th of November. You want to talk about ecological disasters? We move on to a more biological disaster. We had the first case of SARS, Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus, or mm-hmm. SARS-CoV-1. Mm-hmm. It's recorded in Foshan City in the Guangdong province in China. Mm. It began with a businessman who fell ill. He had pneumonia-like symptoms, but the people who treated him also quickly fell sick too. Yeah. Initially, the cause was unknown. Can there- I have a guess? Can I have a guess? Did he go to a wet market? There was speculation that it was a wet market, <gasps> but there was also a lot of reports that it was more like an influenza virus. Oh, so that was picked the, up the flu from someone. Because, well, the symptoms were very similar. Coughing, mm. fever, body aches. Is this sounding familiar? <laughs> Difficulty <laughs> yeah. breathing, yep. fatigue, yep. and it spread through the air by coughing or sneezing. Mm-hmm. It was also, as CNN at the time described, a super spreader virus. Oh, I've heard that word before. One person could mm. infect many others. And worryingly, at this point, there's no known cure. I've heard that before too. February 21st, Hong Kong. A doctor from southern China arrives for a family wedding. Whether he knows it or not, he is sick, carrying a mysterious new virus. He checks in to the Metropole Hotel, the ninth floor. And over the next 24 hours, he spreads the virus to at least 12 other hotel guests. The next day, the doctor's condition worsens. He goes to a Hong Kong hospital. But the people he's infected go to Hong Kong's airport. The virus is about to take flight. Headed for Singapore, Hanoi, and Toronto. Within weeks, panic. Healthcare systems around the world are in crisis. The virus, still a mystery, has proven deadly. The Chinese doctor is dead. And soon, more than 700 others will die of severe acute respiratory syndrome, SARS. 
That's a really scary package. Isn't it? I know. I, I mean, I've had somebody say that to me before <laughs> once, but um, that was a pretty scary package. I, I feel like at the time, okay, I remember it being a thing in the news. So we remember mm. SARS and we mm. remember that there was a little bit of fear about it, but mm. I feel like it kind of went away fairly quickly. I don't, And I feel like it also didn't really affect us much here. Were there cases in Australia? I don't think so. I think there was there were a few cases in America. It was mainly it was mainly in Asia, but I think Canada was also hit yep. and had a, quite a few deaths. Well, I think around fifty deaths or something like that, mm, mm. and a lot of people contracted it over there. Yeah, I yeah I remember it, and I think the the general feeling was. That's overseas. We don't have to worry about that. And it was even a it was even a joke. Remember at one point, if you just sort of coughed in public, people would go, "Oh, SARS." Do you remember that? Yeah. And it was almost like a like a bit of a joke, and we weren't too worried about it. Yeah. It's it's interesting though to listen to the discussion around how it spread so quickly and. So many similarities, well, and as I soon just, as it gets to the airports, so this and I was, just wonder, did we not, did we not consider some of this stuff? Yeah, in twenty twenty with with COVID, and look, I'm sure pe- people probably did. Like I said, I was too busy watching Tiger King at that point. Well, they shut but, down air travel well, and they closed borders and but they I, did all those like it things. It kind of took a while, and again, this is where this is where the similarities continue. The World Health Organization was only notified of the outbreak in February 2003. So this is three to four months later, after around 300 people had contracted it and five people had died from it, and they didn't issue the global alert until March 2003. Early on, the Chinese government were discouraging press from reporting on it. They delayed reporting it to the World Health Organization and they initially didn't provide information outside of the the initial province huh. where it was believed to have originated. Wow. That's interesting. I guess, well, by comparison with COVID, we found out rather quickly that there was an issue there. But, but again, the information... So they learned something, right? Well, the information was kind of sketchy and I don't think it's sort of... And similarly, I think a doctor actually reported SARS to the international news, to the media. And they kind of shut him down. And didn't something similar happen with COVID as well? It was kind of a a, a doctor and he was was talking to to international media as well. Yeah, and he died. He died of COVID, mm, that guy. mm, Yeah, yeah. I mm. can't remember his name. But um, the other thing was is I guess when it's 300 – People in China and only five die. It's an epidemic because it's mm. a, it's lo- it's in that smaller area. It doesn't become a pandemic until it spreads to other countries, mm. and that happens. I guess. Uh, may was it? It, it would have been slower than COVID too, because maybe air travel wasn't as. That, were they flying? I get well. No, people would have still been flying. But maybe I don't know. Maybe not to the same extent. But the the major part of the outbreak lasted for eight months. It ended up spreading to twenty nine countries. Yeah, infecting eight thousand or just over eight thousand people, killing seven hundred and seventy four, predominantly in Asia, but also in in Canada as it's well. It's so funny because I'm not shocked by those numbers. 
Like, when you look at yeah, yeah at all, yeah. I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't seem. And maybe that's that why bad. we didn't pay that much attention to it at the time. Um, I think again that the challenge was it was really difficult to contain because infected people could get through customs and into another country before they even presented with symptoms. Yeah. The thing that was terrifying, though, with with SARS, because they were comparing it to things like HIV and AIDS and Ebola and other stuff, that they were saying that a lot of those infections took a long time to sort of spread across the globe into different countries, whereas this took like twenty years. This one was so swift and fast, and Mm. they didn't know how to contain it. I think that's what was truly terrifying about it. Mm. And I do recall that here in Australia, we were. Putting, we were doing a bit of pandemic planning, I guess, and putting things in place of, you know, mm-hmm. here's what we do if it, if it gets here. But I, I, I still don't feel like we took it that seriously at the time. No, I don't think so. But uh, one of the reasons why it was so bad, obviously, was that delay that you talked about in telling the World Health Organization about it. Um, but also, I, I think too, like it got contained fairly quickly and i wonder if as a result of that happening like you know we'd been through sars there's other things that start to happen over the course of the next decade mm. post sars by the time we get to covid we're like well you know they contained sars within how long 6 months 12 yeah, months because we had and we had swine flu as well h1n1 which yeah. I don't know that that was too Swine severe flu, in the end. Bird flu. Yeah. I mean, that, they're all still things, though, those flus. You know? Yeah. Hmm. So this doctor that wrote to the international media was kind of sort of the first person to, to get the news out. That's when panic sort of started to kick in with mm. so many people leaving Beijing. Schools and public spaces were closed down. They were doing random temperature checks at airports. Yeah. And then it wasn't. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. It wasn't until the fifth of July two thousand and three that the World Health Organization declared it contained, but cases were still reported until I think mid two thousand and four. Did they trust China once they did tell people, or were they like, "Oh, come on! Like, are these the right? Like, how would you have it if they've covered it up for so long? How would you have any?" Um, this is so it's so so eerily yeah, similar to what it? happened, isn't it? And and some and a lot of the conversations. And don't get me wrong, like I'm not talking. I don't I don't know all the facts about this. Mm. It's it's like I haven't. You've done the research. I've, I'm kind of just like commenting on it. So it's not a qualified opinion per se. It's just someone who's just lived through COVID like anyone else, just like you, who's out there mm. listening. I'm like, you know, I had questions. There were lots of questions. I had mm. questions, and I'm like, my questions were well. If China have covered up the initial outbreak, mm. how do you trust them to give you the correct numbers after that? Mm. And I guess then it's like, why did they do that? Obviously for economic reasons. Yeah. Uh, and and I guess we're, we're talking early 2000s, right? So internet has kind of only just become a thing. We don't mm. have social media. So information is not getting out as quickly and in the way that it does 
now. So yeah. you don't really know. They did. I Having don't know said if they that, did. You've still got to sneak information out of China. And like, I don't know if they did an official investigation afterwards, yeah. but I was reading stuff that a lot of there was a lot of speculation that they were worried about the economy because other outbreaks that had occurred in in other regions and areas across the world had had a big impact on the economy. I think cholera impacted Peru. Mm. I think in the nineties. And India lost billions in tourism due to the plague. So there was speculation mm-hmm. that that China kind of downplayed the numbers and and the I guess the seriousness of it for those economic reasons. But again, I don't I don't know if there was an official investigation. There's not a lot of information about it on the internet because we're still very early in the internet days. Mm-hmm. And like you say, there's probably not a lot of information that did come out of China at the time. Mm. And then yeah, by. July, I I don't know. I, like I said, it ended pretty quickly. I think it was like July in two thousand and three, where the World Health Organization mm. were like, "Yeah, it's done. It's all contained. No worries." And I'm I'm interested to know, and I'm sure that this happened, and it's because I'm probably not looking into it because I'm too busy watching Tiger King. But mm. I'm interested to know, like, what did what did we take away from that, and what did we learn? I think contact tracing is pretty interesting, and I think we learned probably a lot from. SARS and maybe even viruses before that about contact tracing because even if you listen to the audio that we had there, mm. it's like they knew who the guy, they knew who patient zero was. Yeah, that's true. And they were able to trace him and then they were able to find out exactly how many people. Now that was all hindsight being twenty twenty and all that sort of stuff because obviously when he's travelling at the time he may not have, he was didn't display symptoms mm. but was contagious. Mm. That's the challenge with all of these things though. You yeah. Think it's, there's so many things that are eerily similar yeah. to COVID. The thing that I found really confronting was in 2012, a guy called David Quammen published a book called Spillover about animal infections and the next human pandemic. This is so eerie. Oh, right? too so, soon. Too so early. in 2012, we've right, had, yeah. I think we've had swine flu and we've had bird flu and mm-hmm. we've had SARS. He yep. looked at how, why, where these diseases emerged and mm. pondered what might be the next big one, saying in 2012. Oh, you've got a quote. The next big one will probably be a spillover, an animal pathogen that finds a happy home on humans. <laughs> it will probably be a virus, probably oh. a flu virus that we have lovingly nurtured in a crowded farm caught in a far eastern market and helped around the world into a crowded city on an air-conditioned aeroplane. It could be here before we know it and certainly before we've had time to stop it. Mm. What was that, 2012? Thank you, David. Wow. Isn't that eerie? Less than a decade after that, like eight years later. Yeah. You know, and we're in, what are we in now? Like, well, I mean, some people think that COVID's gone, like they're just pretending it never happened or it's not e- around anymore. Mm. Australia's slowly starting to, well, we don't isolate or anything anymore now. That's new. Mm. Um, but, mm. yeah, has anyone investigated David Corman any further? Like, <laughs> I'd, be putting, I'd be putting him on the payroll for pandemic planning just quietly. Well, yeah, maybe we should listen. How do you reckon he felt after all of that? Yeah. I told like you, you should so. have read my dang book, people. He's like, <laughs> well done, baby. International bestseller. Got it in one way back in 2012. <laughs> and now it's time for personal development with 50 Cent. You had a really good bachelor party and then this stuff starts welling? It was Pfizer.
let's talk about sports. Oh, let's. Yes, lots of balls this week. Tennis we balls. Lots of tennis matches. Yes, on the mm-hmm. 11th of November, Belgian tennis star Kim Kleisters beats Serena Williams to win the WTA Tour Championship. <laughs> Serena Williams, a straight set winner, and she wins the title. I'll tell you what, it's not that much of a surprise given what Serena went through yesterday and given how Kleiser's been playing all fall indoor season. Kim Kleisters has won at the Staples Center in L.A. the year-ending championship for the 2002 Home Depot Championships presented by Porsche. Oh, I'm glad we got the sponsor credits in oh, there. Oh, very good. <laughs> I was trying to find an interview with her after the game or mm. them presenting her with mm. her award. All I could find was them presenting Serena with a r- runner-up plate. It was like a, a Waterford it's crystal dish. American coverage. Like it's the, if it's the American oh, coverage, they're very that, dismissive when their own get beaten. That's probably it. But, yeah, they gave it because I think Home Depot is the uh, sponsor there. Yeah. They gave her, it was, I think it was Waterford crystal. It looked like a punch bowl. Oh, really? And she was just holding it. She looked... She looked a bit unimpressed. Yeah, I would be unimpressed would. as well. It's like, you're giving me a punch bowl Second for all of place, here's your punch bowl from Home Could Depot. at least put some booze in it. Yeah, well, she's probably going to need some. She put some Belgian beer in there from Kim, if you like. <laughs> Great beer in Belgium. Anyway, so he went from that to Leighton Hewitt, who scored back-to-back season-ending tennis Masters Cup titles with a classic 7575262664 victory <laughs> over Juan Carlos Ferrero, in Shanghai, China, thankfully he didn't catch SARS while Ooh, he was there. Yes. It's there, and Hewitt is the champion again. I'm always amazed at how much quieter blokes are when they play tennis to the chicks. There wasn't as much noise from the players. There's not as really the, as much, no. <laughs> not as much grunting and... No. <gasps> And huffs, yes. I mean, I don't know. When there's a punch bowl at stake, maybe you're a bit more invested. <laughs> you just got to put you back into it a bit harder. Look, it was quite attractive, but, yeah, I would have preferred something else if I was hurt. Music time. Let's get into some fun stuff after, you know, pandemics and mm. tennis. <laughs> <laughs> Not a fan of tennis. I just, I, I, as I've gotten older, actually, I've found myself watching tennis. <laughs> Um, but I don't like it. No, I it's don't just like, like it either. I just feel like there's certain times of the year when there's nothing on but freaking tennis. Oh, anyway, someone, yeah, we're out of sport, sport now. No, we're into music. Yeah, shut Let's up. Get, yeah, Stop sorry. talking about yeah, sport. I don't know. Number one on the Australian charts this week 20 years ago, still Nelly Kelly Dilemma. Oh, boring. Had a new number one on the UK charts, Unbreakable Ooh. from Westlife. Oh, no. <laughs> really? This love is unbreakable. It's unmistakable And each time I look you're right You know, I just feel like these guys are a bunch of blokes who are pretending to be sensitive to get chicks. 
That's what it I is. I think it works. They were very popular. They Clearly. were heartthrobs. They're on smash hits every week. My panties are on the floor right now, <laughs> oh. just at the sound of their voice. I, I just, I just, I just don't believe it for a second. You don't believe? No, nah, I don't life. believe. I don't believe them for a second. Wow. I don't believe all that soppy stuff that blokes do when they sing love songs like that. It's, it's like they would, they would sing at their own wedding. I bet you that song was written by a woman. You think? Yep. I'm going to Google it right okay. now. Okay. You keep Didn't talking they have about something the song. To do? Weren't they Simon Cowell? I don't they know. were. Ronan Keating. Brian Mc. Brian Mc. The one that went out with Delta was in Westlife. Um, so Unbreakable was the first single from their first Greatest Hits album, Unbreakable Greatest Hits Volume 1. There were more Greatest Hits. This was the band's 11th UK number one single. It also reached number one in their native island, but I think it was only number one for a week or so because the ketchup song bumped them off the top position, which is mm. a bit unfortunate. Mm. So who was it written by? Have you got the writing uh, credits? Songwriters, Jorgen Ellefson and John Reid. Okay. Okay, you're wrong. The Billboard Top 5 for the week commencing the 10th of November 2002 looked like this. I can't let a self destruct. Uh-uh. Baby, smile today. Cause I've been imaginable. I'm gonna love you better. See, Eminem loses. So that's bloke songwriting, right? Mm, mm. Bloke wrote that. Mm. Yes, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> so to recap, number five, Hey Mark Cameron. Number four, we had a new entry into yes. the top five. Love You Better by LL Cool J. Ladies Love Cool James. Ladies Love Cool James. We'll mm-hmm. chat a bit about him in a sec. Uh, Dilemma, Nellie Kelly has slipped back to number three. Right. Work at Missy Elliott at number two and Eminem Lose Yourself still at number one. There's a lot going on for Eminem this week, 20 years ago, which mm. we'll also get to. Yes. But back to LL Cool J. This song, Love You Better, was released as a lead single from his ninth studio album called Ten. It's a long journey back to the place we was When I was too embarrassed to admit I was in love And you was my good girl that wouldn't give it up I can't let her self-destruct uh-uh. Baby, smile today Cause I've been imaginable I'm gonna love you better yeah. I didn't know that LL Cool J was still a thing in 2002, to be honest Really? I like I like LL Cool J. Well, I love him. I'm a lady and I love Cool James. <laughs> but I love Cool James uh, around the way girl Cool James. Right. Have you got a bit of that? Uh, I th- do I? I yes, I do. do. I want a girl with extensions in her hair, bamboo earrings, at least two pair, a Fendi bag and a bad attitude. That's all I need to get me in a good mood. She can walk with a switch and talk with street slang. I love it when a woman ain't scared to do a thing. Standing at the bus stop, sucking on a lollipop. Once she gets pumping, it's hard to make the hottie stop. Wow. Mm, at least he knows what he wants. Yeah, that's when I, that that was peak LL Cool J. Yeah, uh, 
And you, what's the one that you liked of his? Oh, Mama said, knock you out. Don't you dare stare. You better move. Don't ever compare. Me to the rest that are all get sliced and diced. Competition's paying the price. I'm going to knock you out. Mama said, knock you out. I'm going to knock you out. Mama said, knock you out. So then you just like focusing on an acting career as well. Mum said Knock You Out's a great song. It was covered by an Australian band called Def Rhyme as well in the uh, in the nineties. It was also an Encino Man. Yeah, it was. That was a great film. Was but and speaking of films, like LL Cool J was concentrating on his acting career at the mm. same time. So he's, you know, juggling a few things, had a few irons in the fire. Like he was in um was Halloween H two O. He was in Deep Blue Sea in nineteen ninety nine. Remember that one with the sharks? The intelligent sharks. Oh, yeah, yes. we watched that. That's right. Any given mm. Sunday with Al Pacino. Yes. SWAT with Colin Farrell. But it's kind of the yeah, like the around I mean, the way girl. Mama said, "Knock you out." LL Cool J that I I loved, and he yeah. was one of the earliest rappers to get that commercial success uh-huh. along with the Beastie Boys and Run DMC. So that mm-hmm. was I feel like that was more his heyday. Remember that phenomenon song? Something like a phenomenon. Yeah, a little bit, vaguely. And that's pretty much all it did, but I I only knew the MTV stuff for LL Cool J, I must say. And then I realised that he did do a lot of stuff similar. He had similar tactic to Westlife, I guess. Like he'd do like soft songs to get the chicks. He did a lot and there were some that he'd listen to and you'd be like, oh, that's a bit racy. So that- that, but then he'd also put in an order and say, yeah, I prefer one with um, hair extensions and hoop earrings, thanks, that likes to suck lollipops. <laughs> the bigger the hoop, the bigger the hoe, apparently. Yeah, and don't even get me started on the size of the lollipop. <laughs> So Love You Better, let's go back to Love You Better, which yep. came out this time 20 years ago, off his yeah, ninth studio album called Ten. Figure that mm-hmm. one out. It was released by Def Jam, produced by the Neptunes. And really? It's a features, Neptunes production. Yeah. Features go. additional vocals from Mark Dorsey. Mm-hmm. It was a big success in the US. I don't recall hearing it over here too no, much. never heard it. Getting into the top five on the billboard. Uh, mm-hmm. Peaked at number four, so spoiler alert, doesn't get any further than Good, where it is thanks. now. Excellent. Uh, but number two the on the, the hot rap weeks. tracks and number one on the hot R&B hip-hop songs mm-hmm. chart. Over to album releases. There were so many albums this time 20 years ago. Yeah. We've picked a few key ones because too many to talk about. Key albums. Key albums. Like this one. I just want to feel real love, feel the home that I live in. Because I got too much life running through my veins, going to waste. Oh, Robbie. Takes me back to the AFL grand final yes. from this year. It was about the only good thing was Robbie Williams. He the was rest amazing, of it was terrible. Terrible game. Oh, that's oh, Robbie was great though. Stole the show. That's his album. Well, I say Escapology, and then I asked Siri to play it today, and escapology. she said Escapology. Yeah. So, yeah, she schooled me again with you my owe, pronunciations. You owe her an apology. Yes, sorry, sorry. I don't like the way you speak to Siri sometimes. I don't like the way she speaks to me. Like when she was being really patronising about P. Diddy being called Diddy. She was she was giving me snark. What was she like, Diddy you mean? <laughs> no, I just asked her to play P. Diddy and she came back and she's like now playing Diddy. 
Oh, oh, yeah, there was there, there was, was a definite tone. there was definite snark in there. You should just change your nationality, oh. switch to American Siri. It's much more exotic. I usually use English Siri. Oh, oh, because it feels a bit more refined. Well, is it any wonder she spoke to you in that tone anyway? Ah, <laughs> uh, Robbie, he's like the only member from Take That that anyone remembers. Yeah, mm. love Robbie. Mm-hmm. TLC also had an album release, 3D, with this single. I reckon they wrote that about the guys from Westlife. They're pulling <laughs> mm. out songs like Unbreakable, mm. they've got mm. hoochies everywhere. <laughs> yep. That single was Hands Up. A lot of this album was finalised after Lisa left I Lopez's death, but they did include some unreleased material from her. Mm. It was produced by Babyface, The Neptunes, Rodney Jerkins. Oh, Rodney Jerkins. Duckchild. Duckchild, no, no, no. Missy Elliott, you've been yeah. listening, thank you. Uh, and Timberland, so quite the production value there. I do feel like TLC kind of, and really unfortunate for the remaining members, I feel like they kind of dropped off the radar after the death of Lisa Left Eye Lopez. Yeah. I, I, I don't, like, I remember this album coming out but I don't remember it being sort of the levels of success that they'd previously done. But it's a really it's a really good album. If she was still around today, where do you think they would have ended up? Do you think they'd still they'd be like I think they were really ahead of their time. Yeah. I think they were really ahead yeah. of their time. If you go back and listen to some of their older material, I mm-hmm. think yeah, I, I reckon that they probably would have done some amazing stuff if she was still yeah. around. Because they I think they were, like they've been going for some time when she died, but they had a lot further to go. So I that reckon. was a posthumous release, obviously, because she died when? Earlier this year? Yeah, I think it was April 2002. Right. So, yeah, a lot of, but a lot of this album was finalized after her death. So, no, she wasn't on all the tracks, but they did feature some unreleased stuff. And I think they featured, she'd done some vocals for her solo album. And I think they used some of that. Yeah. But that particular song, Hands Up, if you watch the video clip, it is only uh, Chili and T Boz that are, that are in the clip. It's right. quite, it's quite sad to watch, actually. Mm. Mm. What else we got? We've got Missy Elliott under construction released. That's gossip, folks. That's not the bit I was expecting you to grab. I had in my head the the main bit that everybody knows. Yeah, but I went through the song and I was like, oh, there's this really cool change of pace in Ah, there. Ah, you confused me. I was like, that's not And there's a couple of guests on that particular track as well. So there was that chick there. I think her name is Casey Rice. And then Ludacris is on that track as well. That is a great song and I think it sometimes gets overshadowed by Work It so Thought we'd give that one an acknowledgement as well. That's Under Construction, Missy Elliott's album. We also had an album from Jay-Z Blueprint number two featuring O2, Bonnie and Clyde. Pearl Jam released Riot Act. I don't even remember Riot Act or anything that was on it. That's probably very offensive to Pearl Jam fans and I apologise. Actually, yeah, wow. no, I don't because I don't remember anything. It's all right. They got, Pearl Jam started to get a bit very much for the fans. Uh, they, it was, they were kind of niche. They, they became mm. very... Actually, I don't want to offend Pearl Jam fans either, so yeah. let's just move on from that one. Okay, we'll move to an album release from our mate Sean Paul. 
Duddy Rock was released. We've talked oh, about God. Sean Paul because she, that thing, Miss Halabella, was in the charts, I think, a little while ago, but this is the album it was on, Duddy Rock. But I don't really care what people say. I don't really watch what them want do. Still, I got to stick to my girls like glue and I might not play number two. All I know this time is just getting jet. Need a lot of cheese up in my head. Got a lot of dancing in my bed too. So that was a single like glue. Mm. Mm. <laughs> what is he like? Some kind of Creole that he's speaking there? Well, he's Jamaican. Remember? Oh, of course. We've discussed this before. You yeah. Clearly, yeah. weren't listening to all this sh- the short pull. Well, facts. no, I kind of was because I think also like you know how you keep saying Hullabulla for shake that thing. I think he's I'm completely actually saying wrong. Annabella. I think he is. Yes, mm. that's a very good shake point. That thing, Miss Annabella. Yeah. So, okay. so, so get busy. Let's let's circle. Sean Paul aficionado. Let's circle back yeah. to get busy. Actually, hit me with some facts. So we have solved the oh. Jody and Rebecca mystery. Remember you saying who's Jody and Rebecca, and you tried to Google it, and then you had to watch a big long clip, and you didn't get the answer. Oh, so you've got the answer. I've got the answer. So it was initially solved on the Twitter at Seven Core mm. says. Jody is his wife and Rebecca is Jody's friend. Then Brit Citizen, I'm guessing that's short for Brit Citizen, maybe British okay. Citizen. Yeah, Brit yeah, Citizen yeah. Oh, jumps the, into the, the combo. Right. Jumps Has into the combo. The chat, yes. yes, entered the Twitter chat and says Rebecca is actually Shuggy's wife. Is that right? I don't know if that's true, but it's then like a bunch of chicks that have got a thing for blokes who talk funny. But then Nina Rowe gets him on the TikTok and actually asks him straight from Sean Paul himself. This is the answer, everybody. Oh, we, oh, okay. Are Jody and Rebecca like common names in Jamaica? <laughs> Not really. Uh, well, yeah, Jody is. Uh, um, Jody's actually my wife. So. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I was going to the studio and she was with her friend. Her friend's name is Kana. And they were both like, where are you going? And I, I'm on the phone. I'm like, well, I'm going to the studio. And they were like, oh, say our name in the song. Okay, bye. And that's what they did. So I wrote the song. And then I was looking for the intro. And um, I was like, well, I'll just say their names. And so, so I was like, go ahead. Press play. And I shake that thing. Means kind of, kind of, she's the first name came up. Yeah. And then I just rhymed the rest of the names. And Jody, I was like, oh, shit, got to put Jody in there. <laughs> so... So, yeah, uh, Jody and Rebecca was the last names. Uh, that's really it. But I've had many Annabellas walk up to me. I'm Annabella. <laughs> I'm like, oh, dope. <laughs> oh, I would have so- gone up to him saying, I'm Halabella <laughs> if I met him on the street. And he would have been like, are you having a stroke? <laughs> are you okay? <laughs> I'm Halabella. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm glad that's been solved. So. Mm. Seven core on Twitter was correct, but we're not too sure about Rebecca. He didn't clarify Rebecca. So I like that he mentioned his wife's friend's name at the start and then it's like, oh, crap, I better put my wife in there too. Yeah. Uh, so we don't know. Yeah, we don't know the answer to Rebecca. Speculation it's Shaggy's wife, but uh-huh. um, maybe, yeah, maybe we can deep dive on Shaggy at a later date. Um, can we talk about some music that I like? Sure, let's so do that. the band Opeth released their album Deliverance this time 20 years ago. And we've got a special connection to Opeth oh, because we, we went do. and saw them on our honeymoon. It was wonderful. Mm. But um, they're a prog metal band and they're very dynamic. So they've got these really heavy 
death metal style parts, but then they've got these beautiful classical acoustic sounding parts. So they're a bit like Westlife in that they probably do the classical <laughs> acoustic sounding parts to pick up chicks, but then they realize that they're actually tough dudes, so they have to do the death metal parts as well. So they're a little bit conflicted. At least Westlife know where they're coming from and where they stand and what they're about. Opeth, they're progging, they're just like moving through things and they're like one minute they're mellow and cool and then the next minute they're kind of like a little bit more heavy. And I'll give you an example of that because here's this part. Right, and then there's this part. Yeah. So one minute they're like, hey, ladies, and then it's like, oh, I'm a man. Um, <laughs> but that's actually, this is prog rock for you. Yeah. This is one and the same song. That's part of the same song. That's the same one. because uh-huh. That's the song Deliverance. They've done albums that, one album that's quite heavy, and I think it was around the same time that they recorded them. This Deliverance was um, kind of the heavy album, but they were also recording one called, I think, Damnation, mm. which was more of that that prog rock. But, yeah, interesting that they've incorporated it into the same song as well. Yeah. I do. I really do like them. They're quite an incredible mm. band. They're mm. really – it's the, it, they're a joy to listen to because yeah. every song is long and a journey. Yes. <laughs> it takes you on a they've big journey. They've got 20-minute long songs, don't they? Yeah, yeah, they do. Mm. And I love that contrast between the albums, which definitely divides the styles, but I love it when they pull the styles together mm. and move through the one mm. song with that sort of stuff. It's great. And prog rock is, I guess, it's kind of a little bit wanky to some people. But, man, <laughs> if it's if you get – this is what happens with music these days, mm. right? I think music is so disposable. Like it's not – even – I was talking to a guy the other day about production and the difference between like mastering and mixing and, and how everything's kind of produced. Like our stereos have devolved. Mm. Our hi-fi systems have devolved. to Mm. So, like, you know, and yes, you've got lossless MP3 and you can get some really beautiful quality stuff, but with bands like Opeth, you need dynamic range to let things breathe so that soft parts are actually soft and loud parts crescendo into this big Armageddon-sounding like. And then because you can't feel anything if it's all crammed and compressed within inches of its life. Yeah. Yeah. Like Mm. that, and that's, that's what pop music kind of does and I'm not trying to slag pop music off or anything like that and that's what FM radio stations do as well. Yeah, it compresses They compress everything. everything within inches of its life mm. so you get that big fat radio sound but you sacrifice dynamic range and it, yeah. it's a bit of a balancing act. But the problem is, is we don't listen to things on big surround sound systems anymore. There's no ritual in music, Mm. which is why I love vinyl so much because you've got a turntable. You actually have to sit down and engage with the music. You've got to put put the needle down. You've got to put it on the platter and put the needle down and play it through your stereo system and use your amp and all that sort of stuff. Now we listen to things through our phone or AirPods. Or your smart speaker. That is predominantly how I listen to music now. I'll bring up my Apple Music and I'll plug it into the HomePod or the Siri or whatever. And you've got one tiny speaker. And she'll school me on how to pronounce Diddy. One tiny Um, speaker. But, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. That is so true. That's so so sad. And so when you've got musicians who are playing, think about an orchestra, for example, where you have like your woodwind and your brass and your your, your percussion and you when you when things are mixed 
to a point where you allow dynamics, you can hear the drums play across the kit, stereo yeah. panning, surround yes. sound panning, yes. full mixes and stuff like that. It's the same with um, cinema, and I'm going on a bit of a rant here now, aren't I? Yes. But, but it's the same with cinema. You go and watch things on the big screen and they're shot beautifully and you've got mm. this amazing cinematography and then people will watch torrents on their laptop or phone to watch yeah. a movie and it's just like, no, you need a big TV <laughs> and a big sound system and that's something that I always insist on having in my house. But that's how you can appreciate Opeth yeah. a lot more and that's that's what I love about music and that's what I also lament about music. Don't get me wrong, I do love how accessible it is now. So it's very convenient. Right? Yeah. But as a consequence, it's almost taken for granted you think about, yeah, back in the day, if you liked a song, you'd have to buy a $30 album for one song and you'd have to go down to the shop and you'd save up all your money and you'd go and buy it and you'd bring it home and you'd have to put it in the CD player, whereas now you're just asking Siri or Alexa or your your virtual assistant of choice to just play it and it's just there. It's just Isn't there, that right? crazy? Exactly, which is a wonderful thing. Like It's wonderful in order to access music and different music and share music, but not so wonderful in terms of listening to it how it's meant to be listened to. And Well, and I don't care what kind of genre. There needs to be a ritual in yeah. it. You know? And yeah. look, the other part of the ritual is is going to appreciate it live. And this is one thing. So I went through our old um, videos from the honeymoon when we oh. went to see Opeth and yes. Mastodon in Chicago, and I forgot about this conversation. <laughs> Remember, we were standing you next were to you were filming, and some rando just comes up and has a conversation with you. Yeah, it's very and he, sweet. And he sounded a little <laughs> bit like Seth Rogen. Anyway, this is this was this was from when was this? Twenty twelve. Here we go. Oh, I nearly forgot our anniversary. <laughs> Whoops. Whoopsie. Here we go. Seth Rogen, we did that. Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> what is yeah. it? Thrash? No. <laughs> Thrash speed? Well, it's a good fit. I love it. It's a good fit. Good he, fit. Was a, he was a lovely guy. And then they started playing. He's like, oh, there's a keyboard player. I'm like, yeah. It's always metalheads when they see a keyboard player. I'm like, ooh. I'm like, but I'm like, it's like Deep Purple, mate. Yes, like, it's yes, all good. It's okay. You're going to love it. Trust me. <laughs> and the end result was they were suitably impressed with it. They had a great I'm time. You, yeah. If you just like music in general, they're a really mm. good band to get into. Anyway. That was massive and it went for a long time and I'm sorry. Let's get back. But, like, hey, we talk about a lot of pop music, so just, you know. <laughs> yeah, you fair know. enough. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we've got some music <laughs> fair news It's as a well. good fit. <laughs> we do have some music news on the 13th of November, Eminem single. See, I told you we are going to circle back to Eminem. Oh, good. It's a bit of yes. an Eminem theme this took week. took a while to get there, thanks to <laughs> me, but anyway. It's fine. We got there in the end. Yeah. Lose Yourself from the soundtrack to 8 Mile is the first rap song in the history of Forever to win the Academy Award for Best Original Song. Extraordinary. 
Mm, beats out other nominees too. And it was, yeah, it was quite the uh, the list that it was up against, including uh, U2's The Hands That Built America. Mm-hmm. Eminem was not at the ceremony because he's thinking, I've got no chance of winning. I'm just not going to go. He was, uh, I think he was asleep. He was watching cartoons with his daughter and fell asleep and didn't know that he'd won till the next day. And he's missed the opportunity <laughs> to accept the award from Barbara Streisand. The Oscar goes to Eminem, Jeff Bass, and Luis Resto for Lose Yourself from Eight Mile. This is the first Academy Award and first nomination for Eminem, Jeff Bass, and Luis Resto. Oh, my. This all goes to Marshall. Um... I'm privileged, grateful to be involved with this song, along with my co-writers and friends, Jeff Bass, Marshall Mathers, who couldn't be here. It's a great thing working with Marshall day in, day out. (laughs) He's creative. He um, has symphonies in his head that I'm privileged to put on the tape. He's a good man, good heart. (laughs) <laughs> good on you, Lewis. I, I don't think he had a speech prepared either because Eminem's there. I'm not going to win you, well, go, mate. No go and have the free booze and the I free mean, meal. And yeah. then poor old Lewis has to get up there and make a speech. Well, they're up against Bono. Talk to Babs. You know. Yeah. Wow. That's stressful. I think it's Very fantastic. Stressful. I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I think it's even better that Eminem was at home watching cartoons with yeah. his daughter. <laughs> I think it was the first time in, uh, I don't know, 14, 15 years that the winner of the best original song didn't actually perform at the ceremony. Oh, wow, that's the Oscars for you. Too busy. It's like Oscars so white, but not quite when it comes to a white rapper. <laughs> Well, while we're on the subject of 8 Mile, I find this interesting in the context that it's just won an Oscar for Best Soundtrack mm. and it's gone to number one at the box office in the US. It, the same week, It yeah. was released a few weeks ago, mm. but now it's number one at the box office in the US. What are you doing with your life that's so great? When the world won't give you what you need, you have to make it on your own. Okay, folks, enough jokes. This job, you want to quit, but you can't. You worked at this plant so long, you're a plant. Look at your damn boots. They're starting to grow roots. I'm sorry, mama. I never meant to hurt you. You're asking me out on a date, Jimmy Smith Jr. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I am. Tell me why you left. Tell me and I'll leave you alone. I'm sorry, mama. From Curtis Hansen, the director of LA Confidential, and producer Brian Grazer. I never meant to make you cry. Eminem, Brittany Murphy, Mackay Pfeiffer, and Kim Basinger. Eight Mile. That's a ballsy voiceover. That is a very good gravelly voiceover, isn't it? Eight Mile. Yeah. Very nice. Um, It's very much... Eminem's show this week. I I forgot how big he was at the time. He's just everywhere, mm. and I feel like we owe it to him to probably and and to ourselves as people who are researching the show to actually watch that film watch again, that again this week. Yeah. yeah, it has been yeah. a while since mm-hmm. I watched it. Mm-hmm. So obviously, semi autobiographical elements of his life. Uh, 
And what's he called? B Rabbit mm-hmm. in the movie. And his attempt to launch a career in hip hop, and people are like, "What are you doing?" Yeah, and this then he, is, this he is starts not rocking up at these all black clubs yeah. and, and engaging in rap battles yeah. and, and knocking them dead. Yeah, yeah. The movie itself was a massive success. It opened at number one in the US. It grossed uh, $51.3 million in its opening weekend. I think it's fair to say that Eminem at the time was probably the biggest artist on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Mm -hmm. And eventually went on to make $242.9 million worldwide. Touching. You'd never have to work again with that kind of money. Soundtrack, obviously, a success as well with uh, Lose Yourself on it. Certified quadruple platinum. Uh-huh. And heaps of award nominations and wins, obviously the, the one we just spoke about. Rotten Tomatoes scoring I find interesting though. Yeah. 75% with the critics but only 54% audience score. For somebody that was so big and huge, it goes straight to number one the week of release, that's quite a low audience score. I wonder though, like Rotten Tomatoes uh, over time, scores accumulate over time. Yeah. So maybe. Maybe it hasn't dated well. Potentially. That's why I want to watch it again and see. Mm. Yeah. In Australia. Number one, my big fat Greek wedding still. Still. I want to watch that movie again as well. I liked it. And then movie news, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets comes out. Was there a rock or a stone in this one? <laughs> what are you talking about? Remember last year's one oh, the was there was the stone. and the stone. And what was it called somewhere else? It was called something else. Remember it had two different names? Yeah, but it wasn't a, It wasn't the Philosopher's Rock. No, I can't remember what the no. other one was. All of a sudden, but, uh... you know, Harry Potter's hanging out with crack dealers. <laughs> <laughs> the Philosopher's Rock. This is the Chamber of Secrets. Okay, good. Chamber of Secrets. There's no references to bongs there either. <laughs> okay, here we go. One year ago, he learned the truth. You're a wizard, Harry. And his first year at Hogwarts School became legend. And so, for Harry Potter and his friends, another year begins. Bloody birds are menace. Their education in the magical arts continues. Pixies. Laugh if you will, Mr. Finnegan. See what you make of them. No! Old rivalries grow stronger. Slytherin's got a new seeker. Malfoy. You'll never catch me, Potter. Oh, you'll never catch me, Potter. Oh, it was philosopher versus sorcerer. Oh, the sorcerer's stone. Yeah, versus it was, philosopher. Wasn't actually anything to do with the geological arc. No, it, was, it wasn't. Harry Potter and the geological arc. It was a rock. The philosopher's quartz. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> it, and so the sequel is coming out, the Chamber of Secrets, now on the fourteenth of November, and it's everyone's very excited. Mm. Harry Potter mania is sweeping. Well, the globe. I wasn't excited. I'm not interested I, I just, in Harry Potter. No, Never I was. I, look, I'm I'm waiting. I'm biding my time with Harry Potter until our son's old enough to enjoy it and get into it himself. But what I'm actually quite proud of mm. is that he started to take an interest in Tolkien and the Lord of the Rings. And I was always like, oh, Harry Potter is yeah, the Lord of the Rings. is he's better. And yeah. now he's interested. He's been playing Lego Lord of the Rings ah, on the Xbox, so he yes. wants to know more about Lord of the Rings. And I'm sorry, but I'm getting a bit emotional about that. <laughs> uh, no. He's more into rings than rocks. Look, I don't mind Harry Potter. Anything that gets children into the occult at an early age, <laughs> I am all for. No, I hate magic. I hate magicians, Absolutely. and I hate Harry's Absolutely. stones. As long as, as long as your kids aren't trying to boil the cat 
in a cauldron out in the backyard or but you know and you walk into their bedroom you know and your nine-year-old's got a pentagram and some candles drawn on the floor and trying to perform some kind of blood magic ritual to make them popular at school i mean yeah why not? <laughs> so the film's released this week. I dare say we'll start seeing it at number one on various box oh, of offices course. In, the, in the next few weeks. Yeah, you think, eight, a, you think 8 Mile made a lot of money. Critical and commercial success. Mm. $879 million worldwide. Second highest grossing film of 2002 behind Lord of the Rings, Thank in you. fact. Thank the you very Two much. Towers. The original. Praised for its darker plot, sets, and a story appropriate for a young audience interested mm. in magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The and occult. Yes. The critics and the audience were pretty on par. Yeah, the yeah. old Rotten Tomatoes, yep. 82% critics, 80% audience. Everyone loves Harry except for me. You know, I'm really, I like Daniel Radcliffe as an actor. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm I'm very impressed at the actor that he has become because he will take on a lot of quite bizarre roles like Swiss Army Man, which was a very weird movie, and Horns. And more recently, I'm really looking forward to seeing him play Weird Al Yankovic in the biopic Actually, of yes, Weird Al Yankovic. That looks amazing. It's going to be fantastic. That looks so good. I'm so keen for that. <laughs> I think it's going to be awesome. Um, and not quite in the vein of Weird Al Yankovic, but over in TV on the 10th of November, we do have some rock stars. I mean, you know, who could hold a candle to Weird Al Yankovic? Maybe Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, <laughs> Elvis Costello, Lenny Kravitz, Tom Petty, Brian Setzer from the Stray Cats. They all guest starred in an episode of The Simpsons <laughs> called, which was set at a rock and roll fantasy mm. camp. There's no need to apologize, guys. You're rock stars. You're supposed to be reckless and destructive and be celebrated for the behavior that would land normal people in jail. Yeah, this is what I forgot to tell them, but uh, just the same. We'd like to make it up to you. We're doing a gig tomorrow to benefit the victims of tonight's gig, and we consider it an honour if you join us. So that was Keith Richards and Mick Jagger there. And the story is like how I spent my Strummer vacation is the name of the episode. Uh, and Homer realises on the way to Moe's that he's got no money to pay for beer. Yep. Mo won't give him any freebies. So he goes around town trying other things to feel drunk. <laughs> Such as breathing thin air on the top of a mountain, uh, yep. licking toads, and and giving blood. Oh. Look, I, I, do you I can, feel drunk? You give blood. I can do you speak feel from drunk? experience. I usually schedule my blood donation on the same day that I plan to drink because <laughs> because the effects of alcohol are increased significantly <laughs> after you've lost a substantial amount of blood. Anyway, I'm not endorsing that. I do, do not try that at home. I'm a trained professional. Mm. I know what I'm doing. I'm in full control of my faculties. Mo feels guilty about refusing to serve Homer and give him free beer. But mm. he's already drunk anyway because of all the other things he's done, I guess. Licking the toads and giving blood. So yes. so Mo and Lenny and Carl, you know, Lenny and Carl, the other two barflies, mm. they put him in a taxi and they take him home and then in the cab he's videotaped <laughs> for a reality show called Taxi Cab Conversations. Oh, Remember yes. Taxi Cab Confessions? Confessions, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he says some really terrible things about Marge and the kids <laughs> while he's drunk. And reveals that he's always wanted to become a rock star. So the the family are like, well, that's not great, but they do realise that there's some truth in what he said. <laughs> and so to make up for it, they take him to Rock and Roll Fantasy Camp, which is run by the Rolling Stones. Uh-huh. And then at the camp, Homer, 
and some other people from Springfield learn about rock music from Mick Jagger and Keith Richards <laughs> and Elvis Costello and Lenny Kravitz and Tom Petty and Brian Setzer. And they have a little rock concert and Homer is the lead guitarist and the singer. That sounds like a great time. Can we go? Sign me up. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to go to this I don't, camp. I don't think the stage is big enough for me and Homer Simpson, though. <laughs> especially after I've given blood and had a few beers. <laughs> Let's talk about video games. There's a lot of things that have been reported over the course of history as being perhaps the harbinger for the decline of the Western civilization. <laughs> Rock yes. and roll. Mm. Uh, I mean, before that, probably various books or posts. Shakespeare, mm. potentially, mm-hmm. you know, video games. Always <laughs> and, to blame. And look. I, I don't know that I could argue too hard in the defense of video games because this was really the beginning of the end. <laughs> I think here. This is where everything went online. So yeah. Microsoft on the 15th of November released the Xbox Live service, which is the online multiplayer gaming digital media delivery thing that they do. So and everyone were, went, oh, quick, got to add an underscore 69 to my game. To add. Yeah. I'm going online, man. Yeah, 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 and and then be stuck with it when you're like 46, <laughs> you know. Captain Big Dong 69 <laughs> is my uh, Microsoft gamer tag. Hit me up and we'll play some Call of Duty. Anyway, this is the promo that they had. They had like uh, it was a good five or six minutes of just oh, cultural really? appropriation. It's awful. I will soon experience complete oneness with an interconnected global community of game warriors. I can feel the energy flowing through the high-speed Ethernet cables. Dude, who are you talking to? Are are we going to play or what? Patience, Grasshopper. One must learn before one can dominate. Forget that. Let's play! Are you ready, Grasshopper? You know what's funny about that, too? There's a bunch of Asian people out there that probably logged on immediately with far greater internet speeds that would have just handed their asses to them, (laughs) and that's all they deserve. But, yeah, so this happens, like I said, on the 15th of November. Microsoft developed Xbox. PlayStation were kind of chasing them a little bit here with this. So PlayStation doesn't come out, I think, for another six months. There was another console, was it Dreamcast? I don't know. There was one that did try to go online but just failed miserably before this. So this was the first big one that really succeeded. Look, not much has changed. It's still first-person shooters that really dominate. Unreal Championship was the flagship title that came out, which was a first-person shooter, and it was the first ever console game that you had a downloadable patch for. That was also the beginning of the end. Is that where they fix the game after you discover that there's something wrong with it? Correct. Like if there's a glitch or whatever in the game, then the developers can update it. So software updates, right, for games. And would this have been when the first teabagging occurred? Uh, there would have had to have been a tea bag somewhere. <laughs> I, if that's not documented as well, somebody realised that they could take their player and squat over the other dead guy's head and tea bag. Metaphor. What, yeah. what a monumental day that oh, would have been. Like I said, wow. the client, you talk about your stereos devolving. <laughs> what about your children? My goodness, I, I can't. I can't argue. Like once I got online and started, I was a little bit behind the curve. I couldn't afford to do this at the time. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so the the, the the downloadable patch thing, yes. it, that I think has become 
awful because what happens now is is games get rushed out by developers mm. and there's a lot of hype around them and they set deadlines and developers are like, well, it's not fully developed. We've got a few glitches we need to iron out and stuff and they just go, just put it oh, out. No, just put it back. Put it bit. out. Put it out and we'll patch it later on. Mm. And the unfortunate thing with that is there's a lot of great games that end up being not so great as a result. And there's one that came out. Uh, a couple of years ago, or maybe about a year ago, Cyberpunk, which was oh, yeah. potentially an awesome game. I got it. I played it. I, I actually really liked it, but there was lots of glitches with it, and as a consequence, they, it, for some players on certain platforms, it made the game unplayable or it, it corrupted their save games or whatever, oh. and, and they were like, oh, we'll just fix it in the next patch. And it's like, yeah. But I've paid, and this is like next gen console game. This is like 120 bucks. Uh, I've paid 120 bucks for a game yep. that's not finished. And I've dedicated all this time to it. I'm not going to come back to it. Like, yeah. So that's that's the downloadable yeah. patch thing that I, I can't stand. I mean, the other thing is, and like, there's a lot of fun to be had with online gaming. I remember staying up way late at night, having way too much to drink, being absolutely terrible at Call of Duty because I had a terrible connection, but just starting to talk to dudes who had also had a little bit to drink and had a couple of guitars and were playing guitars. You've made some friends over the years. Wasn't there a guy called Kurt Kurt. that you were friends with for some time just because you chatted to him and his girlfriend? He was close to a pro gamer, but he just used to (laughs) sit there and play guitar. And I was like, what are you playing? I started requesting songs. That's amazing. Um, That is very amazing. Super weird thing. Things happen in online gaming. The other, but there is, I think there's a fundamental issue with it, and it's really hard to police. And there is some very toxic behaviour that that I think is slowly being addressed. But what what happened? And again, maybe it's because it's either I don't know if it's ahead or behind or whatever it is. But like parents are just leaving their kids to their own devices Mm. to play video games, right? Mm. And you know. I love that as a kid. There was nothing that I would want more than to be left alone to play video games for hours on end and just, mm. you know, disconnect. And, and But once you get online, you start to see some very toxic behaviour happening. Some of the language when you don't have your headset on and you've got it just coming through the stereo, yeah. some of the language and the way that people talk to each other in these games is Absolutely horrendous, but at the same time, you kind of see the community correcting itself as well because I've heard some disgraceful stuff being said, but then there's people that jump in and they're like, you know what, that's not okay, dude. We're going to kick you out of this game if if you continue to talk to us like that. It, it's, it's, it's starting it's to. It's odd. There's a lot of dominant voices but two, in there. 2002, I, though, aren't yeah. we all still on dial-up? How do, we, how do we get online with our headsets and communicate with everybody on dial-up? I or is this imagine. for, like, the broadband people? I can't only? imagine we're having a very good experience. <laughs> there's a lot of lag. Mum, get off the phone. I'm trying to teabag someone. <laughs> yeah, I can't. It's, it's like I'm halfway through the squat and then we cut out. <laughs> But like, especially with young boys, and and so there's homophobia amongst young boys is something that is still rife. And I think about when I was a young boy and the way we used to speak, mm. and I'm not proud of that. You know, that homophobia is not used in a. It doesn't come from a place of friendship or love. It comes from a place of I am trying to level the worst insult possible I can at this person, Mm. and by talking about their sexual preference, I believe that is the lowest of the low. So that's what I'm going to say to that person, Mm. and that 
has not changed. That mm. still happens in online gaming to this day. I don't yeah. care who you are it, or, or what you think. Go and stick your headset on and turn the chat on and have a listen to mm. the way some of these young boys talk to people in online gaming. Funnily enough, though, <laughs> have a listen to how those guys talk when all of a sudden they find out there's a girl playing the game <laughs> who's actually playing the game better than them <laughs> and beating them quite convincingly, uh, and that's yes. always a good time. Do you think things like Twitch may change that, though, the fact that you could end up on some live stream and people can then see this horrible, the, toxic behaviour? There is a lot of stuff that's happened, So they and they do address it. There's a lot of reporting of mm. bad behaviour and people Oh, because you can get, report them now. Yeah, and, yeah. Pe- and I, I do it all the time. I report people all the time. Oh, actually, I am you a little reported somebody with a really gross-looking avatar once, didn't yeah, you? They or had like a really disgusting attack. picture. But it still, it still gets through. It gets through all the time. And a lot of it is just stupid young boys, more so than girls, doing that sort of stuff. But... Um, the, so the reporting has gotten a lot better and there, there definitely are people that will speak out more but, like, I, f- I feel like still that those those trolls and those kind of voices are the loudest in those communities, which is why it's always good to just hit mute and just mm. enjoy yourself and, and and then get good, which which is what I've started <laughs> to do actually. I, I, I get good and now I can actually beat a lot of these guys quite convincingly, which makes me feel great. However, then I look at video games now as a 46-year-old man who has no time to do anything <laughs> and it's just a colossal waste of time. Oh, poor old Joe underscore 69. I d- <laughs> that is not my gamer tag. <laughs> that is not my gamer tag. It's Joe 666. And I and I finally I had to pay s- That is just as bad. It's it's not and I had to pay I had to pay $16 to change it. And it was $16 well spent, and I'm not telling you what my new gamer tag is because I don't want anyone to come and hassle me on those platforms. I'm quite happy playing with and by myself, which is pretty much the story of my life these days. No thanks to you, Melanie. It's a business end Mm. where it's like business and then maybe some marriage and then a very definite end. Hatches, matches, and dispatches. We have a hatch. No, we don't have a hatch. We have a birthday. We We have have some birthday We have someone who did hatch, but not at this time in 2002. They hatched a little bit before then. Yes, 10th of November is the birthday of Brittany Murphy, the actress. So we're continuing this eight-mile theme because obviously she was in, in Eight Mile. Her breakthrough role, though, was as Ty Fraser in Clueless back in 1995. You don't think that we mesh well. (laughs) I was like, why am I even listening to you to begin with? You're a virgin who can't drive. She was also in a few independent films, uh, Freeway, I think, in 96, and, oh, Bongwater, that sounds classy, in 98. She did a bit of stuff on Broadway and then went on 
to star as Daisy in Girl Interrupted in 99 and she was also in Drop Dead Gorgeous in the same year. Was Girl Interrupted, that was the Angelina, Angelina Jolie, Jolie Winona Ryder film, Yeah. Right? So in the 2000s she appeared in Don't Say a Word in 2001. That, was Michael that a Douglas. horror? Yeah, we talked about that and she's like, I'll never tell. Yes. No, it wasn't Ooh. a horror. It was a psychological thriller where the oh, psychologist yes, needed yes, to solve yes, like a kidnapping right. and she knew where the kid was but she was, yeah. That's right. Now I remember. Ooh, creepy. Eight and Mile, then, yes, like you talked yeah. about. Got really good critical recognition for both of those roles, and her star was very much on the rise. Uh, she was in writing in Cars with Boys, Spun, Just Married, Uptown Girls. She was in Sin City. She's That's excellent right. In Sin I forgot City. about that. Yes. Now she had a role in Happy Feet. She voiced Luann Platter on the series King of the Hill. You know that cartoon series. Mm, mm. Uh, her final film, Something Wicked was released in April 2014 and sadly that film was released posthumously Mm. because at 8am on the 20th of December in 2009, the fire department in LA respond to a medical request at the home that she shares with her husband. She collapsed in a bathroom. They attempted to resuscitate her. She was transported to Cedars-Sinai, which it seems all the celebrities go to, Mm. and she passed away. She had a cardiac arrest and died. After that, they said that there were, uh, well, the death was accidental. The cause Mm. was pneumonia. However, severe iron deficiency, anemia, and multiple drug intoxication, which is, you know, just tragic. It's just such a waste. And she was, yeah, she was really, like you say, she was just on the rise. And I recall at the time it was all a bit sort of odd and people were, speculating whether there was something a bit more to it. And I think there is a new doco that's just come out around her death. Yeah. And, well, her husband died shortly after as well. And so, And then people got quite sus about that as well. Yeah. So there's actually a documentary that came out, I think it was late last year, called What Happened Brittany Murphy. I think it might be a Netflix documentary. Mm, Yeah. Um, and it does look into a lot of that speculation and and rumours and different things that... Uh, yeah. Well, I don't understand about the fire department, right? Like, what do you call the fire, fire department? department. Yeah. I think it was her mum that called it because I have well, heard the actual call and it's really, really distressing. Yeah, well, so with the husband, so he dies in 2010 and, again, the Los Angeles Fire Department is called... For a medical emergency, after Britney's, after Britney Murphy's mother Sharon finds him unconscious in the master bedroom, she called the fire department. Fire department. Like, if the medical emergency is that you're on fire, I understand why you call the fire yeah, department. Yeah, that is odd. Well, the mum, the mum obviously rang in both scenarios. Maybe she's just got her numbers mixed up or something. Maybe. Anyway, I don't know anything about it, so I'm not speculating for or against. I think anything it would be a good. There. I think we should watch the documentary. So we need to watch Eight Mile. We need to watch the Brittany Murphy documentary. Yep. And what else? What was the other one we have to watch? Oh, uh, we need to play some Call of Duty on Xbox Live. <laughs> I don't know. I've watched enough movies, so much so that we are at the end of the show and it is time to do the movie clue now. So let's cover that off so that we can get out of here nice and clean. We should listen to some Opeth as well. Yes. Some Simpsons. There's been a lot of stuff happening. Let's see if we can't catch SARS. Uh, Uh, No, thanks. No, okay. (laughs) Uh, So the movie clue for this week, where is it? Let me see if I can find that. God, we've been through a lot of stuff, haven't we? Okay. Okay. 
here we go. I'm ready. Okay. Are you ready to tell me that I'm correct? Uh, I need to figure out what it is again, but oh, okay. I'm sure I'll be able to do that. Yes. Good. Mr. McCaleb, I was sure you were going to retire by now. Looks like your code killer's back. You and me, we're like Cain and Abel, Kennedy and Oswald. I'm on this case. Oh. I'm in this thing for the full ride. That is Clint Eastwood, who was old then and is even <laughs> older now. He um that was Be careful. that last that last grab was Clint Eastwood. He oh god, what was he doing in two thousand two? I don't think he directed this one. It's called Bloodwork. Yes. So I vaguely remember this. He was like an ex FBI agent. He got pulled back out of retirement because of a serial killer. And that's about all I got. Very good. <laughs> I got it right. That's more that's than what I knew. Thing. Yes, it was blood work. I had good. to Google that. Good. Yes, you're correct. Oh, you, you forgot it yourself. I've, I do this all the time. I forget what they are and then I knew that Clint Eastwood was in it so I had to Google Clint Eastwood 2002 movie blood. Oh, yes, the blood work, yes. Handy. Yes. Well, thank God I'm here. I've proved <laughs> useful for something at least this week. And thank God you're here listening to our podcast. We appreciate you so much for downloading our show each and every week. It means the absolute world to us. We're only small. Mm. We're only a very small little podcast, but we do enjoy doing it. We do enjoy the fact that you guys are out there listening to it as well. So thank you very much. Until next week, you can find us on the socials if you feel like it. Yes. Don't be shy. We, we don't bite. No, send us some memes. Yeah, send us memes, messages, whatever. I mean, we haven't done an interview for a while, but if you wanted to be on the podcast, we'd interview you. you yeah, know. why not? Sure. We talk about whatever you like. T minus twenty podcast, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye. And that concludes another week that was twenty years ago. Join us again next time for more not so ancient history on T minus twenty. In the meantime, come and reminisce over on Facebook and Instagram. Search for T-20 Podcast. Podcast.